You know, as Denny was sharing that, there's a scripture verse in verse 14 that says that this is the place that Abraham called, the Lord will provide. Until Abraham was willing and to trust God with everything, God was not called that before. But God became the one who would provide everything for Abraham once Abraham was willing to give up everything for God. So this place, Mount Moriah, which became Mount Zion, the place was called, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. You can stand on that name. When you're willing to lay it all before him in trust, he will provide. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we just ask you to come in a mighty way as you already have. Father, continue our worship, our time of loving you. Let the words that are spoken, Lord, be spoken out of your spirit. We ask that you touch hearts and minds with your glory, with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, I spoke in the first service and then I taught a class in between. I'm going to ask my wife if she could go get me a water out of the back there because this voice has been speaking a lot. God can speak always and probably never gets a little hoarse voice, but uh, but the pastor might need a, some water here eventually. Thank you, Lord. What I want to speak to you all today and what the Lord's put on my heart um, is about the will of God. How many of you here would like to know what the will of God is? How many are just not raising their hand because they didn't hear it? I'll say it again. How many would like to know the will of God? How many already know the will of God? Yeah, there's a few of you. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to share some things with you that uh, hopefully will help to show you the will of God in your life, but also explain the will of God over this earth and explain the will of God and what it really means. How many of you have heard of the word sovereignty? God is sovereign. Sovereign. It's a, it's a word that um, is used in religion, but let me just give you the definition of sovereign or sovereign God. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Hallelujah. Holy water. Bless. As I drink this water, let the Holy Spirit fall in a mighty way. Thank you, Lord. Whoa. And I, I wasn't shaking before. That's cool. Um, sovereignty of God. Absolute authority is the definition for that. Absolute rule. Superior to any rule. The greatest ruler. Um, all through scripture, um, you see that God is called sovereign, but there's actually doctrines that were made up and churches built on the sovereignty of God. There are actually people who believe that God is sovereign on all things and his will will be done in all things. So much so that Steve's been picked to be saved and Linda's been picked to be saved. I haven't been picked to be saved because God is sovereign and he's going to choose who he wants saved and who's not going to be saved. And God is so sovereign that he won't get into the dealings with man individually, that he actually is such a sovereign God that his will is set in stone. But I'm going to show you in the scripture that that is not true. Yes, his will is set in stone in some things. For instance, this is set in stone. Jesus Christ is coming back, and there's nothing I can do in my life to change that. There's nothing Steve can do, there's nothing Linda can do to change that. And there's two words in the Bible, actually, that describe the will of God. And, and there are two Greek words. One is called, and it's um, belomia, belomia, B-O-U-L-E-M-A, which means, 
the eternal counsel of God, which are unfolding through all the ages, is his purpose, his determined will, which cannot change. His, it will come to pass. So that sovereignty of God will happen no matter what happens with us. But then there's another word in the scriptures describing the will of God. And it's another Greek word, and it's called, um, let me find that word. It is, uh, and I'll spell it because it's um, T-H-E-L-E-M-A, the mela, the mela. And that means God's wishes and desires. And that word is used in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where God wishes that all will come to repentance. He wishes that all will be saved. Is every single person on the face of the earth going to be saved or come to repentance? Then what? I thought it was God's will, and God's will always happens. The reason why there's another word for it, that other word means that it's his desire or will. Here's another one. On earth as it is in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's his desired will. How does that desired will take place is what I want to explain to you. And that second word, meaning his will, what I want to do is explain that to you and what it means. And once you understand what that means, that you actually have a, a part in bringing God's will to this earth. Um, it'll make things a little easier for us in our life. That actually what it really is talking about is Steve, and I'll use Steve as, a, as, a, as an example again, has a part in the will of God. And it started in the book of Genesis where God says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And let's give him an assignment. He's supposed to be fruitful. He's supposed to multiply. He's supposed to subdue the earth. And so he, God gave us a garden, mankind, and we were supposed to expand and multiply that garden around the earth. And in doing that, we were taking what was of heaven, the garden, very similar to heaven, and expanding it around the earth. But then we lost the keys. Jesus gets the keys back. And then Jesus says, okay, we're co-laboring again with the original plan, and I'm going to give you a co-mission, co-meaning together with God mission, to get back to the original plan. And that's basically to bring Christ to all people and to bring heaven back to earth. Pretty simple. Pretty simple plan. But we're part of the will. So if I'm not doing my destined purpose and plan that he had from the foundation of the world in me, is that God's fault? No, it's my fault. God has a destined will and purpose in my life, a destiny that's huge, bigger than I can ever think. We were talking in the class earlier. It's bigger than I can ever think or dream of that he has for each one of you. Before the foundation of the world, he placed you at this time and place with a great purpose and will. If you realize it and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, it's going to be cool. There's nothing more exciting. Church is not never meant to be boring. It's supposed to be exciting. And when you're walking in the will of God, a lot of the hobbies that we have and a lot of the um, things that we do will fade away. And our main purpose and our main goal and desire will come back to doing the will of God in our lives. And it'll be exciting. So, oh, is that good? Let me just give you... Um, 
a quote from Bill Johnson. Now, please, this is Bill Johnson's quote. This is mine, but you can shoot the messenger. The will of God must be displayed by praying people unwilling to sit on the sidelines and see the dev devil continually steal, kill, and destroy, and then watch the theorists give God the credit for that. Masking our unbelief with a spineless theology is the great deception. This continual misrepresentation of the nature and the heart of God for one another and for the world must stop. Stupidity often looks like intelligence in the absence of experience. Because we're not experiencing the will of God, we think that God, oh, thank you, Lord, I'm saved. There's a mentality actually out there. This once saved, always saved mentality is, oh, I'm saved. This world's going to hell in a handbasket. I can't wait to get to heaven. Everything's going to happen in heaven. Thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. Oh, did you watch the news the other day? What a mess this world's in. Oh, they're just, it's going to hell. Thank you that Jesus is coming back someday. He's going to straighten us all out. We got to break off that mentality in the church because we're responsible for this generation of believers. We were put here to take heaven and bring it to earth. And if there's, the earth is going to hell in a handbasket and there's problems, it's because we're not doing our job. Well, I didn't get like this in the first service. Um. Here's a question. We see this all the time. God is mysterious in all his ways. You always hear that. God is mysterious in all his ways. And if something weird happens, oh, the God is so mysterious. God is mysteriously good. I'll agree with that. But God is never mysteriously evil. So when evil things happen, that's not God. Was Hitler God's choice for Hitler's life? Is cancer God's choice for being rampant in this world today? Is it in heaven? Is, so the things in heaven, if they're on earth, would look like heaven, right? And if the earth is not looking like heaven, then it's our job to pull that down and bring it to earth. That's the will of God in our life. That's called um, the theo, the the elmala, Emma. That word that it could happen if we do it, and it may not happen if we don't do it. God actually did this. He says, you know what? The best way to give you an example, let me go this way. Neil, when he was younger, would cut the grass. Now, I always cut the grass better. I made straight lines. I never overlapped. But when I first allowed him to cut the grass, it was like, zoom, you know, and there'd be a little pit part missed and everything. I delegated him to cut the grass, and that was his job. God delegates us to do things on the earth. It's our responsibility to do it with come on the best we can for him. But if the, the job, come on, that was a mess sometimes. Never mind, I won't go there. Um, I used to be the postmaster in Manistee and in Cadillac, I used this in the early um, group. There was over 50 some employees in Cadillac and 40, almost 50 in Manistee. I had supervisors that I would delegate the authority to run the place. I did not know about the day-to-day -day operation of the each one of those places. You could ask me about what's happening here, there, or whatever, or what's happening with this thing or that thing, and I wouldn't know because I delegated it to the supervisors to run the day-to-day -day operations. God has delegated his authority and power to us to run this earth in the day-to-day -day operations. Jesus Christ 
will be coming back, but he's not going to come back right now and preach. That's our job. Matter of fact, I was in um, devotions the other day, and I want to read this because I was crying out to God about the will of God for my life. And, I was, and this is what he showed me, and I wrote down as fast as I could, and I shared this earlier, but I want to share this with you. <clears throat> and I was asking about, Father God, what is the will? What is your will for me? What is the will for our church? And this is what I got. My will will soon be revealed, my glory and my greatness on Cornerstone and on you. All that Jesus was to the world, he purposed that the church should be. First, he blessed the world through his own physical personality, his own life coming. So that was him in his own life. Second, he established a physical body composed of many members. Joined in one by the Spirit of God. He never intended that the second body should be of lesser authority than the first. It was his real purpose that the second body, the church, should exercise and fully accomplish all that the first body had done. And then he said these words in John chapter 14 verses 12 through 14. He says, I'm going to the Father, but you'll do greater works. And then he even said it again. You're going to do greater works than me. We are called to be the body of Christ. And God, in his sovereignty, gave up part of his sovereign will because he could crush Satan right now just like that. But he chose to give up his sovereignty, put it in us, let us co-labor with him, to do that purpose, you all are on this earth for a great design and purpose. And it's part of the will of God for your life. And knowing and understanding that you make up the will of God, the body of Christ, you make up the body of Jesus on this earth. And what you do with your life and how you act and how you bring others to Christ and how you live affects the will of God on this earth. And each one of us are designed and created in the nature of God for that will. You're not in heaven right now after getting saved because you have a design and purpose and a job to do. We can call it God and, and, um, God and his sons and daughters building. And basically what he's saying is, I'm building a building company. I'm going to go away for a while. I'm going to put you in charge of the building company. And I want you to build souls for the kingdom. I want you to disciple people. I want you to build my kingdom. I want you to bring my kingdom to earth. Wherever you go, you bring my kingdom with you. And I will return someday. And I'll give you stewardship over that. And I want you to give an account when I come back and how you stewarded that. And each one of us are part of that building company. God didn't have to do that with us. That's called the will of God in our lives. So, let me ask you a question. We can either believe that God is in control of everything, which he is, and he delegated us to do some of the things, or we can say, oh, I don't have any part in this. I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm just going to go about doing my life. I'm saved. And this, get ourselves as far away from the world as we can. Which is a mentality, actually, that's in a lot of the church today. And that's why church is so boring. 
we can actually get on with what we were here for and the purpose that he designed us for and the will of God in our lives and start walking in that. And that choice is yours. You can either walk in the purpose and design that he created you for or you can just put it in his hands. I don't want anything to do with it, Lord. Sometimes we're looking for answers on this earth. But really what we should be do doing is looking for his presence and his will in our lives. And we need to know that and we need to understand that. See, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. So the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same Holy Spirit lives in us. And here's something very important that we've got to understand. You know how much he loves us? How much God really loves us? It's always can be determined by what he entrusts you with. What did he entrust us with? The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He actually gave us his spirit. And in giving us his spirit, he gave us all the power and the full measure of the Holy Spirit in us. The only issue is, is are we going to yield to that power in us? God has entrusted each and every one of you with the power of the Holy Spirit in him. That is so cool. Yet it does say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, that now we, and I'll paraphrase, now we know in part and we see in part. It's like we're seeing through a glass darkly. We're not totally yet conformed to the image of Christ. We totally have not let the Holy Spirit have all of us. The Holy Spirit is still working in us. There's still things happening in our life. I used um, the healing rooms as an example. I see miracle after miracle after miracle in there. The one thing we, uh, the one heroin, boom, addiction, gone. <laughs> one just like that. But at the same time, I've also not seen miracles. And I don't understand because everyone who was brought to Jesus was healed. So my job in going to the Father is, hey, Dad, you know, you gave me part of this company and like everyone that was brought to Jesus was healed. How, what, what am I doing wrong? Where am I missing it in this place? I know I'm still kind of mentoring and I know I'm still kind of working and learning, but can you show me? Because that person came a long way to have a meeting with Jesus and all they saw was me. And I owe them an encounter with Jesus because he's my head and I'm the body. Show me. Show me. And that's how we need to talk. That's how we need to pray. That's how we need to come to him. Never be satisfied with part way. You are the body of Christ. And yes, we're still growing. But there's coming a time when the body of Christ is going to manifest. And I declare that over this church. I declare this over you. That the body of Christ, Christ in you, will manifest. And you will live for him. And it will be seen on you in his glory. The glory of God will be all over you. So that's exciting. That's exciting. But I want you to turn now, and understanding this now, that one, the will of God that's unchangeable. That's in the Bible. And that's true. That's the sovereignty of God. And then the sovereignty of God that he gives up and gives to us to be part of his will, to co-labor with us, is another will of God. And that may or may not happen, depending on how we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit in us. How we yield to the Christ in us, the hope of glory. How we yield to allowing his will to work in our lives. Or we can be selfish and do our own thing and go our own way and run our lives the way we want. You know, that choice is ours. 
Let's turn to Mark chapter 19. Mark chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. I want to show you something here in Scripture. Um, and in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Oh, thank you, Lord. Jesus was away from the disciples for a short time, and he comes back. And this is what happens when he returns back. I'm going to start reading at uh, verse 14. And this is about a boy who's healed. And when he came to the disciples, that's Jesus coming back, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. So there's this big commotion going on with the disciples. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he said to the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him and throws him down, he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and they could not cast him out. And they should, that they should cast him out, but they could not. Sorry about that. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. Probably went into some type of a seizure right there. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Of course, we have names for all these diseases now. We don't call them demon possession. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people uh, came, that came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that they said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he rose. Hallelujah. And here's the part that I want you to get. That's a great miracle. What happened is they were all commissioned to do these things, the apostles, the disciples. And they'd actually done it before. But in this case, they couldn't. And look at what, what happened here in verse 28 and 29. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? So he said to them, this kind... Um, can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. But at verse 28, I want you to see something here, and this is the key. What did they do when they couldn't cast out the demon? When they couldn't do the thing that they were, the will of God was on them to do? They came to Jesus and asked him. Whenever we get into that place, and we don't understand the will of God in our life, Whenever we come to that place when we don't understand what's happening in our life, when things don't start lining up, when stuff gets on us, 
when we get messed up and we're kind of walking in the wrong way, we need to come to Jesus and ask him what's going on. And he answers all the time. I will guarantee you, when you come to Jesus and ask him, isn't the scriptures full of ask, seek, knock? The scripture, and I don't have time for to go through all that. Every time when we come to Jesus, when we come to Jesus, for Jesus has all knowledge and wisdom and revelation, the spirit that's in us says that he will lead us into all truth and show us things to come. But a lot of times what we do is, we don't see the answer right away. And we get, begin to get down and we begin not to come to Jesus. They simply came to Jesus. Jesus told them what to do. This, one come, this type comes out by prayer and fasting. Boom, okay, got the answer. Next time I'll be in prayer and fasting. I'll know what to do. And that, that one's coming out. Jesus told them how to do it. We need to come to Jesus. We have the will of God, and sometimes we don't understand it, and sometimes we're not fully being conformed yet. There's areas of our life that may be not there yet. But when we come to Jesus and we ask him, Jesus is going to reveal it to us. He will reveal his will to us. If you want to know the will of God, you need to come to Jesus and ask him. You know, I talk to Jesus that way, and it's okay. I really think it's okay. Like, why? Why did this not happen? What happened here that this person didn't get healed or this person didn't get saved? What is going on here, Father, in my life? Why did this happen this way? Show me. That's called a teachable spirit. That's called to become mature. That's called somebody who's uh, in training, learning. You can talk to Jesus that way. Matter of fact, I think he really likes it because he seems to answer me quite a bit. You can talk to him that way, but you've got to come to Jesus. He's the answer for everything. Let's turn to another favorite verse of mine and probably yours too. You probably all know this verse. It's in Proverbs. And it's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And you all may know it <clears throat> by heart, but turn there, please. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And that's that scripture that says, Trust in the Lord with half of your heart, with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And in all of your ways, all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So I want to take a moment here in this area to show you how the will of God works just out of these two verses. First of all, what he does is he says this to us. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. See, we said it and we sang it and Amy prophesied it over us in the singing. God is good. He's a good, good father. He's good all the time. All good gifts come from him. And when we trust in him, goodness will come. Matter of fact, when Moses wanted to see the glory of God, as she said, it wasn't the glory of God he saw. He saw the goodness of God. Read that part of scripture. It was the goodness of God that passed before him. God is good and his goodness is good. And he's going to be good to us. And when we trust him with all of our heart, that good, good father is going to teach us and show us and guide us into truth. 
Thank you, Lord. He's looking for us to depend on him. He knows what's good for us. And he's promised to communicate with us if we ask him. Oh, through the scriptures, God is a God of communication with his people. As a matter of fact, Jesus is called the Word. Think about that. He's given us a love letter. God communicates with his children. And he will communicate with you. All the promises of God are yes and amen. So be it, and it will be done to the glory of God by us. That's Second Corinthians one twenty one, I believe, or one twenty. We must believe that He's going to fulfill His promises. He's not a liar. Matter of fact, it's impossible for Him to lie. We want to know His will? We need to trust Him. We need to trust Him without doubt, without distrust, with all of our heart. And lean not on your own understanding. I use. Let me use this pulpit. As an example, oh boy, here we go. We got water up here. Okay, what am I leaning on right now? I'm leaning on this. I'm leaning. Do you think this is going to hold up? I hope so. When I'm leaning on my own understanding, this is what I'm doing. I'm leaning on my own understanding. I'm leaning on my understanding. It says we not to lean on our own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding and lean on him. He's asking us, if you trust me with all of your heart and you lean on me, I'm going to support you. You can't lean on your own understanding and you're going to stay up too long. Matter of fact, I better be watch out. But the key is we cannot lean on our own understanding if we want to know the will of God. We must lean on him. And when we lean on him, he will support us. Trust him with all of our heart, all of our heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And all, all of your ways, acknowledge him. All, not some of your ways. So in every, everything that's in us, all our ways acknowledge him. And he's then going to direct our path. He's going to take us down the path that we need to go. Now that's either a lie or it's the truth of God. And to know and determine the will of God in our life. Here's the answer. And it's in these two verses. Let me just spend a, a moment too. In these two verses. Looking at a couple more words. Again these are Hebrew words. Um, it says that he's going to take us the way of the road. The way means here. A road, a course, a mode of action. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he's going to take us, direct us down that way. He's going to take us, direct us down the right way. He will take us always to the right path. Thank you, Lord. And then acknowledge. When we acknowledge him, that word is from the root word of the Hebrew word of yada. How many have heard that word before, yada? Yada, yada, yada. You ever hear that? That's a Hebrew term. But it means to be known or to know him. But it, actually the deepest meaning of it is to be intimate. To be intimate. Acknowledge him. Be intimate with him. Are you intimate with him? Who is your best, best, best friend? Is it God? Is it Jesus? Are you intimate with him like a husband and wife intimacy? Because that's what that means. It means in all your ways 
be intimate with me. In all your ways, be one with me. In all your ways, seek that. I was talking to the class earlier between services, and I've got a book that's probably a third of the way done, and I've mentioned it to you before, but there's four things I know that would lead us into the will of God. This is that I could share here, and I will share those four real quick. You all have heard it. One is we need to be intimate with him. We need to know him. The first one is to know him. The second one is to think like him. The only way we can think like him is allow the mind of Christ to come upon us and to take every thought captive. The reason why many of us are in the state where we are in is because we let a thought get in our mind. That thought then begins to manifest, and it becomes something we begin to think about. It begins to take root in us, and as that thing becomes like a little pet snake, oh, look at that little thought. It's not going to hurt me. As it begins to grow, it begins to take root, and it begins to constrict us. And as it grows, it will hold us in its power. Take every thought captive. To know him, to think like him, to begin to speak only his words out of your mouth. Speak only his words out of your mouth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Speak like he speaks. And then to do what he says. Now those things seem to be hard, but I believe that the Holy Spirit can take us there. So let's get back. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will. He will direct our path. These are truths from the king of the universe who said, look it, I want to make you a co-labor with me. I'm going to bring you into eternity and the two of us will live for all eternity together. I've made you part of me. Now, as we close, when the 70 came back, from casting out demons and healing the sick and raising the dead and all kinds of stuff. They're all excited, right? And they all said, hey, look at even uh, all the enemy is subject to us. But Jesus told them this one thing that was the most important thing. And that is that your names are written in the book of life. Your names are written in heaven. You are a citizen of heaven. Because you're a citizen of heaven, and because I've set you up, to become a citizen of everything I am. There's a king to that kingdom, and I am the king of the kingdom, and you are part of my kingdom, and you are to emanate what the king does. And everything the king has, you become joint heirs and heirs of God with. You have everything that I have. And I want you to take my kingdom and touch us earth with it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed and holy is your name. Your kingdom come. How does it come? By his will being done. How is that will being done on earth as it is in heaven, on you as it is in heaven, on this church as it is in heaven? The will of God is to bring heaven to earth, and he's using us to do it. He could do it just like that. But his will is, is to use us to do it. So as Amy comes forward, I'm going to have you all stand. See, when things don't go the way we planned, when things are happening in our life, when there's sickness or disease that tries to get on us, when things get unanswered, when things aren't working right, we can go to Jesus. We can go to Jesus, and he's the answer. But we've got to get on with the will that he put us on this earth for. We've got to get it to Jesus. He's got all the answers. Your will has been designed by him before the foundation of the world. 
You're not a mistake. You are here for his purpose, design, and plan. And that will is greater than you could ever think or ask. I'm going to ask you to put your hands in a funnel form. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. I'm quietly, you don't have to repeat after me, but I'm going to pray this and speak this over your life. Father in heaven, I praise you. I honor the awe of your name. Thank you for making me part of your will on this earth. Your name is holy. You are God in heaven, and I worship you. I say yes to the charge to see your kingdom come. Your rule and reign be advanced on earth as it is in heaven. Show me how to think from heaven's perspective so I can release heaven's solution on this earth. Help me to see the lives in this earth from heaven to earth so that earth can look more like heaven. And your dream, God, is to be fulfilled on all the earth through me. Your dream of seeing the nations receive your son and experience the transformation you've made available to them. Start with me, Lord, right here, right where you've positioned me. Let your will be done on me as it is in heaven. I can have the prayer team come forward. There's, uh, if there's anybody here today that is not, not knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, has not received this great gift of Jesus Christ in their heart, I want you to come up and pray with the, the prayer team up here. Anybody that needs a refreshing of any kind to get back to the will of God in their life, come up and pray with the prayer team. Make this altar a place of decision. Let's not have this just as a good message, but let's have a decision made in our lives today that we will walk in the will of God, that we have a destiny in how things happen on this earth, and that the will of God has been put on us. You are a child of that kingdom. You are an ambassador of that kingdom. You are in the living epistle of that kingdom. So rise, rise up into your destiny and purpose. I tell you, happy, excited people are people who are walking in the destiny that they've been put on you. Put on them, I should say. Again, church should not be just this boring place. Church should be living the kingdom, living your destiny, walking in what he's created you for. This is possible for every one of you. The love of God is the same for each one of us. He's not going to love you any more or less than he did yesterday, today, and forever. You've been not given less than anyone else. It's the same love. It's the same Jesus. It's the same Holy Spirit. Just because I'm up here as a pastor speaking doesn't make me any better at this than you are. Every one of us have been given destiny and purpose in the will of God. Rise up, my child, says the Lord. Rise up now in that destiny. Rise up in that purpose. I call for things that are not as though they already are in your life. I will declare over you the will of God in your life. Rise up, men and women of the Most High God. Rise up into your place, determined before the foundation of the world. Thank you, Lord. Come, come forward. For prayer, come forward just to get in the presence of God. 
come forward. I'm going to close this service now, but as I close this service, please don't leave without either checking your heart with God. Am I walking in your will? Asking him for more. But make a decision today. And if you haven't received him, come forward. If you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you haven't received that. Whatever it is, come forward. Make the decision, but start somewhere. Maybe you've been fighting sickness. Maybe you've been fighting um, doubt. Maybe you've been fighting, you've been having thoughts in your mind. Maybe you're fighting sleep. Somebody, There's several people here that aren't sleeping well. Come up and get prayed for. You will sleep well. I guarantee you will sleep well if we lay hands on you. Because God brings perfect sleep. Perfect peace. Maybe you haven't had peace in any area of your life. Come to the Prince of Peace. And then call on Him to take you into that place of His will for your life. Blessings on you as we close. You got a homework assignment. Am I walking in that will? If not, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. If you want more of that will, go to Jesus. No matter what it is, go to Jesus. He's the answer. Blessings on you all. Have a good afternoon.